0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is probably the last letter that Paul wrote. He was in prison at the time that he wrote it. We know that Paul died somewhere, or was martyred, I should say, um, somewhere during the reign of Nero, which would put it from, um, from A.D. 64 to about A.D. 66. So these are things that Paul is communicating, the last known communication we have. And he was writing to Timothy, who he had a special relationship with. There were several people that followed Paul and were part of his company, and um, some even went to prison with him to take care of him. And, to, um, and that's just the way things worked back then. If he was going to be taken care of, he had to provide or have somebody to do it because the, the jailers weren't interested in feeding prisoners or anything like that. But Timothy had a special place in Paul's heart. He calls him his son in the faith. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. Timothy was apparently a young man at the time that he writes this, he would have been the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And Paul is communicating things with Timothy, personal things, certainly the things that he felt like were the most important for Timothy to know, for him to remind Timothy of
2: prior to his death, his departure. And Paul, in this letter, begins to prophesy to Timothy, to speak by the Holy Ghost concerning things regarding the
1: end of the age, the end of the church age. So he starts in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Paul is inspired by the Holy Ghost to tell Timothy what's going to be at the end. Now there's some there's an interesting uh, words and definitions in this passage of scripture that Paul refers to. One is the word no, where he says this no also, it's an imperative command. It's, and and I'm, I'm approaching this from the standpoint that the Holy Ghost is inspiring Paul to say this or to write these things. So it's really the Holy Ghost speaking through the apostle Paul. So here's the Holy Ghost saying, here's the thing that I want you to know. Know this of a certainty. Know this of a truth. Know these things. They shall absolutely come to pass. Well, then that don't that makes these scriptures imperative for us to know too. He's not just saying now you can believe this or not. He's saying know this that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Some of these Greek words, of the, Greek, the meaning in the Greek that Paul is trying to convey really doesn't come through in the English languages, uh, at least as forcefully as it should. Maybe it comes through, but not uh, not as forceful as uh, it seems that the Holy Ghost was prompting Paul to say it. The last days began on the day of Pentecost. In A.D. 33... Peter tells us it was 9 o'clock in the morning when the Holy Ghost was poured out. And Peter, in describing the event that was taking place, everybody heard these men, uh, the 120 in the upper room, now out in the streets, spilled out in the streets, speaking in tongues. And it was quite an event. It was quite a phenomenon. And Peter uses Joel's prophecy to identify what was happening. Here's the first example that we have of Peter or any Body other than Jesus, speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in the church age. And Peter said, This is what Joel prophesied that in the last days, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. So the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the last days. And those last days have continued now for 2,000 years. It's um, for anybody that, that scoffs at these things or kind of blows them off, one of the things you hear from people pretty often is, well, they've been talking about the last days for 2,000 years. Well, they're exactly right. It has been the last days for 2,000 years. But the word that Paul uses here for last is a, a word that doesn't just mean during that time period, that age of grace or that church age. It means the last of the last things. It's a word that's used in uh, a nautical context and it means the last port so if you're sailing that's as far as you go because there's no port that goes further it's as far as that can be reached so when the holy ghost says in the last days he's talking about the last of the last days the very end
2: time of the church age now what ends the church age jesus coming back for the church the Rapture of the Church. In the Greek, the
1: word that's used concerning the end of, of uh, the Church Age, or these things that we're talking about, literally means the big event. Thank God, there's a big event coming, Amen. and that big event is Jesus coming back for the Church, taking us with it, catching us up into the air, and taking us with it. So, where it says in the last days. It literally means the very end season of this time period that we're living in, same time period they were living in, this period of time called the last days. And it means this. It means we will be inside or surrounded by the characteristics of this season that he's going to refer to. It's almost taking, it almost connotes or denotes the idea of being trapped inside, And we will be. We are. We're trapped inside until Jesus comes to get us. Now, that doesn't mean we have to succumb to everything that's going on. Doesn't mean that we're going to be defeated. But we will be surrounded, completely surrounded. And that's what Paul's saying. Completely surrounded by this unusual time, this unusual season. Now, folks, think about the context that Paul writes
2: this in. He's in jail and going to be murdered, martyred. For his faith. He's writing to Timothy, who some years later, at the age of 80, is killed, martyred too, for his stand against idolatry.
1: In a time period where people were killed for their faith, Paul says things are going to get tough in the future. And I want you to notice what he says. You've read these passages of Scripture before, I'm sure. So you know he talks about people. He talks about the behavior and the actions of people. Now, folks, get this. He's saying the sign of the end, the Holy Ghost is telling us, the
2: sign of the end of the end is people, not blood moons, not numerology. He says it's
1: people. Now, I'm not saying that other stuff can't have value. I'm not saying that God's not in a lot of those other things. He may be. I don't know. But Paul said the thing you're going to be able to tell the last days by is people. People. So he says, of this time, it will be perilous. These times or these seasons will be perilous. Now, the word perilous has a lot of different meanings. One of the, the um, uh, meanings that uh, uh, Strong's Concordance brings out is strength-reducing times.
2: That's certainly true, but it goes even further. And remember, this is what we will be surrounded by.
1: This word perilous is used only one other time in the Scripture, and it's fascinating to me, and unless you take the time to go through the, the tedious work of looking up every word that's used in these Scriptures, these first four or five verses that the Holy Ghost prompts Paul to to speak or that Paul prophesies about concerning the end of the end times, the end of
2: the end of the church age. Most of them are brand new words. You can't find it
1: anywhere else in Scripture. This word perilous you can find one other time, one other place in Scripture. Let me read it to you from Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, it says, concerning Jesus, and when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, Gad- Mark says, uh, Gadarenes, there met him too, possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce.
2: See that word fierce? That's the word perilous in 2 Timothy chapter 3. There met him t- Two men
1: possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. He's talking about a ferocity. He's talking about a condition that kept people from going into a certain place or a certain territory. He's talking about something that wounds He's talking about something that brings great danger.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority... In the name of Jesus, by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven, to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease.
0: Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the Phi Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: So Paul says, know this, in these last days, the last of the last days, perilous times shall come. There will be a perilous or a fierce season.
2: For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud,
1: blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce bakers, false uh, accusers, incontinent, fierce, despiser of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. I want to go through some of these and, and uh, explain to you what they mean. Here where it says in verse 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. This is a word that does not exist. "Lovers of the uh, That word that's translated lovers of their own self. It's a word that doesn't exist in the Greek language. What I mean by that is it's a combination of two words that would never be used together. The first word is love. It's talking about romantic love, phileo. It's talking about the kind of love that you would have in a loving relationship with boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, and so forth. And the other word is self. This word love, this word phileo, is used in another place in Scripture, not the combination of the word, but the, the single word love. It, uh, phileo is used several times in, in, throughout Scripture. And it's used where um, Judas, speaking of the betrayal of Jesus, where Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. But when you put this other part, the other part of the word
2: that's used here in Paul's prophecy, it means literally kissing yourself. For men shall be lovers of their own self.
1: I joke sometimes that you could read this verse men shall be lovers of selfies. That's not exactly true as far as the the meaning of this word is concerned. But it does mean so infatuated, so obsessed with
2: self-love. That self is the only thing that matters. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. It's interesting to me that the end season, the last season,
1: Of the church age will be marked by people being into themselves so much that it is the outstanding characteristic of that season. So it says men shall be lovers of their own selves. The next word where it says covetous, it literally means loving gold, loving silver, loving possessions, loving money, currency. Now why would they be lovers of currency or lovers of money because they love themselves. They're willing to do anything, to have anything, to go to any lengths to have for themselves. Next word he uses
2: is boasters. The word boasters is also an interesting word. It doesn't just mean to brag. It doesn't just mean talking
1: about yourself. This word boasters carries with it the absence of moral absolutes. See, this word boasters means somebody that's willing to twist and turn the word or turn the truth or the facts of any situation to their own advantage to fit what they believe. Paul prophesied that the last season The end of the last day period, the end of the church age, would be marked by people that were willing to twist and say and promote anything as long as it fit what they believed. Paul also wrote to Timothy that in the last days men would have itching ears.
2: They would heed to themselves teachers who would say what they wanted said, who would validate
1: what they already believe, rather than using the truth to establish your own beliefs. Now, Paul's talking about the world. He's not talking about the church, but you know as well as I do the things that are in the world, try to creep into the church too. So here where he talks about boasters, he's talking about people that have abandoned any moral absolutes to fit whatever they want to believe.
2: Folks, that's exactly what's happening in the world around us. It's exactly what's happening every day in the period of time that we live. If you do away with moral absolutes, then there's nothing to keep you from having this gender fluidity, this sexual Belief that you are who you claim to be, no matter what. That science doesn't dictate who we are. He told us what was coming. Next one, I think, is proud. Proud carries the the idea or the understanding that because of who they
1: are, this this season of time could easily be called the I am generation because it's all about who people say that they are it's not about truth it's not about facts it's not about science it's not about anything that has a solid foundation it's about what somebody says they are well then the the connotation or the meaning of proud takes us to the place where people feel entitled See, because they love themselves, because they love provision, because they want to provide for themselves, because they have no moral absolutes, I'm entitled
2: to whatever I want. It's where some of the social justice stuff is coming from. It's certainly where some of the sexual idiocy comes from. And Paul prophesied it almost 2,000 years ago. Next thing it says is blasphemers. We think of blasphemy as blasphemy against God.
1: But that's not what this word means. This word literally
2: means a dissolution of language. Now, there's several ways you can look at that.
1: First of all, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, 10 years ago, some of the stuff that that is widely accepted would never have been even
2: considered to be okay. The language has denigrated to such a degree in a couple of ways that that it's just fascinating. If you didn't know Jesus, it'd be scary. The F word Is commonplace. It's accepted. It's just the way people talk.
1: So there's a denigration as far as vulgarness or vulgarity of the society around us. I was reminded when I was thinking about some of these things the other day. We took a vacation uh, to Cabo San Lucas once when my kids were young. I say young. They were still teenagers, and my son was a teenager, I guess. But there was a guy down there that was drunk or on his way to being drunk and just using a lot of foul language really
2: loud. And I almost got in a fight with this guy trying to shut him up from talking that way around my kids. Boy, things have changed. Anybody that will even question somebody's vulgarity nowadays. They'd probably get arrested. But the other side of this
1: blasphemers, the other meaning behind it, is where you change the
2: meaning of words to fit what you want them to be. And folks, that's a common tool of the enemy. If you just redefine a word, then you can remove the resistance to whatever it is you want to do. The
1: Bible says that'll be a sign of the end, the end of the end. The next one it mentions is disobedient to parents. This phrase is a little difficult because it has a couple of possible meanings too. It literally means a loss of parental control. It's difficult to understand if it's just the individuals who are disobedient to their own parents or if the common general rule or general meaning of this phrase would be parents losing control
2: of their children. Both seem to be at work. See, it could certainly mean disobedience to parents where a child no longer listens to his parent,
1: whether he's young or whether he's old. The world is certainly going that way. You can trace a lot of the disobedience to parents that are taking place and that does take place in our country. You can trace
2: a lot of it back to the TV show, the animated TV show, The Simpsons. Now, I've never watched the show, but when it produced, when a TV show, popular TV show, I guess, showed that kids could be smart alecks to their parents. They started being smart-aleys to the parents. And there are tons of entertainment venues, movies, TV
1: shows, and so forth that glorify the
2: independence of children and portray parents as idiots. It's commonplace. Well, that could have something to do with this meaning.
1: But it could also be that the parents lose control of their children meaning the state takes over their control. Any law, like the ones that were mentioned earlier, that takes away my right to
2: decide what my kids are going to hear, as far as I'm concerned, there might as well not even be a law.
1: So disobedient parents, loss of parental control, is a sign of the last days. Then it says unthankful. You know how many times the Bible talks about being
2: thankful or giving thanks? It's a commonplace thing in the scripture. It's a part of living a spirit filled life. Speaking
1: to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the
2: Lord, giving thanks for all things under the Father, giving thanks. Folks, when you lose your thankfulness, then there's automatically a decline. Because if you're not grateful, if
1: you're not thankful for what you have, society as a whole begins to expect everything to be given to them. Again, there's this entitlement mindset or attitude where it says unthankful, unthankful, it's a combination of a word that means the doing away with thankfulness. So it's not just talking about the heart of a certain individual. It's not talking about just personal behavior. It's talking about the
2: society, mankind at large, that's no longer thankful for anything. Same thing's true with the next word where it says unholy. The word holy is referring to sacred things.
1: It means re- to remove, Unholi- unholiness, or the word unholy used here literally means, and again, this is the only place it's used in Scripture in the New Testament. Wouldn't be in the Old Testament because it was in Hebrew rather than Greek. But it means a removal of the sacred things
2: of life. There's, there's hardly anything outside of the church. But there's any respect for anything sacred. Paul said that would be one of the things, the characteristics of
1: the end of the end times. Without natural affection, this natural affection does not mean as many people want it to mean, homosexuality. It's talking about without natural affection for your family. It's talking about further the breakdown of the family.
2: Parental love toward children, children loving their parents. It's a removal of all those things truce breakers
1: you could apply this to any and every area it's been translated things meaning litigiousness or how quick people are willing to file suit and to break truces break uh, contracts and and so forth but there's some real strong evidence even though it's a brand new word that Paul coined by the Holy Ghost again just as with others it probably means or. It could mean. It's hard for me to say probably because I'm not the one the word was given to. But it could mean there's some pretty strong evidence that he's talking about divorce as being the covenant uh, that is broken, the betrayal. One of the first things that God requires of us when we come into his family is to renew our minds to the word of God. That means to find out from God's Word who we are in Christ and what He's purchased for us through His sacrifice. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: And Paul's telling us by the Holy Ghost that it's going to look like hell while we're still here. But we've got something that the devil can't counter. The Word of God that thoroughly furnishes us and equips us for whatever comes down the road.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word